how's everyone doing this morning? Yeah, I give God praise. It's so good to be here. Usually on the holiday weekends, you know, the church is a little emptier, and my, even my family's out of town on vacation, and already this baby's not even born yet, and it's already costing me my vacation, you know, because I had to stay here. I wanted to stay here with my wife and take care of her and all of that, and so it's so good to be here. So I, we're going to do something interesting, though. We're going to go to John chapter 11, verse 1 today. We're going to today's word. I want to start actually for the first time in many, I think in almost a year, maybe more, we're going to start a brand new series for three weeks. Haven't done a series in a long time. And you say, well, Pastor, why would you start a series during Labor Day weekend? Well, because you guys are the faithful ones. So I'm going to start it so that next Sunday you can tell all the other heathens, you missed the start of the great series. So John chapter 11, verse 1 through 6. The word of God says, a man named Lazarus was sick. He lived in Bethany with his sister Mary and Martha. This is the Mary who later poured the expensive perfume on the Lord's feet and wiped them with her hair. Her brother Lazarus was sick. So the two sisters sent a message to Jesus telling him, Lord, your dear friend is very sick. But when Jesus heard about it, he said, Lazarus' sickness will not end in death. No, it happened for the glory of God. So the Son of God will receive glory from this. Notice what Jesus said. It happened for the glory of God so that the Son of God will receive glory from this. So although Jesus loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, he stayed where he was for the next two days. Notice what Jesus did. He stayed. He did not do exactly what Mary and Martha wanted Jesus to do. Look with me in verse 11. Then he said, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but now I will go and wake him up. And the disciples said, Lord, if he's sleeping, he will soon get better. They thought Jesus meant Lazarus was simply sleeping. But Jesus meant Lazarus had died. So he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sakes, notice what Jesus says here, Lazarus is dead. But for your sake, I'm glad I wasn't there. I'm glad I wasn't there. I'm glad he died. For now, you will really believe. Come, let's go see him. And I want to preach to you this morning as we start the three-part series. The sermon I had was so long, I had to break it in three weeks. But the sermon series we're going to go into is titled, put it up there for a second, Are You a Mary or a Martha? This is the question we're going to find out the next three weeks. You think, well, Pastor, why is this question so important for us to know the answer to? Are you a Martha or are you a Mary? It's because both Mary and Martha were sisters. Both Mary and Martha loved Jesus. Both Mary and Martha believed in Jesus. Both Mary and Martha followed Jesus. Both Mary and Martha went through the same situations 
But here's where they differ. Martha, every time you read about her, she's bitter, she's complaining, she's fault-finding, she's critical, she's negative, she's angry. But hey, she loves Jesus. Mary, when you read about her, she's at peace, she's calm, she has her joy, she's enjoying her relationship with Jesus. And I started reading about Mary and Martha, and I wondered, how many Marys and Martha do we have here at Forward? We all love Jesus, amen? But how many of you love Jesus, but you have a bad attitude? How many of you love Jesus, but you find yourself complaining a little bit too much lately? How many of you love Jesus and say, Pastor, I got a little temper on me, though. Can I get a witness? You might be a Martha. How many of you say, well, Pastor, I love Jesus, but I enjoy my life. I love, I have peace all the time. I'm calm. Can I get a witness? Okay, I don't like you right now because I want to know your secret. But this week, we're going to talk about this question. Are you a Mary or a Martha? You guys ready for this series? Let's pray. Father, bless this word in the name of Jesus. We pray for all the Marthas in the room. For all the Marthas listening online. I thank you for all the Marys. Help us, Lord, to be a Mary in a Martha world. Father, we pray that in the next three weeks you would help us to correct our attitudes, our outlooks in life. How is it that we can love you, Jesus, and believe in you and still be miserable? Help us to answer this question in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You guys can have a seat as we answer this beautiful question. Are you a Mary or a Martha? The title of today's message is It Happened on Purpose. Let me say that one more time. It happened on purpose. Come on, help me preach. Say it with me. It happened on purpose. Turn to your neighbor and help me preach to them and tell them, hey, it happened on purpose. I love it. I love it. It happened on purpose. I wonder how many things in your life have happened to you. Because life right now as we speak is happening. Right now, as you sit in this church, as you listen to this message, life is happening right now, all around us. Let me give you an example. Life, right now, a lot of things are happening in your body. Did you know that in one year, the average person, their heart beats 36 million times? One year, your heart will beat 36 million times. That's happening right now. Did you know that you will breathe in one year 8.4 million breaths on average? That's happening right now. This was a little iffy for some of us, but on average, everyone will walk 3.7 million steps. Check your watch. Have you hit your your recommended 10,000 steps this week? But on average, 3.7 million steps. It's happening right now. That's mind-blowing to me. That all of this is happening in our bodies right now. And we're not even aware. A lot is happening in the world right now. 
But let's not even talk about the world. Let's go outside the world. A lot is happening in the universe right now. For example, the the moon that we look at at night, it's going to orbit around the earth usually in a month between 27 and 29 days. And that same moon that orbits 27 to 29 days around the earth has a tilt of five degrees for a reason and a purpose. And it's crazy to me because when you look up at the night sky, not maybe not in Miami, but if you go up north in the country somewhere, you're going to see something called stars. And on every day, every day, astronomers say that 275 million stars are born every day. And the earth that we're living in right now will rotate every 365 days. That's one year. A lot is happening. And we don't even know it. But now look with me on this point. What's your point, Pat? I know you're thinking that. Listen. Your heart beats 360 million beats a year, but if that heart would stop beating for just two minutes, you could die. The breath, you will have 8.4 million breaths in one year, but if you stop breathing for just eight minutes, you'll die. You may walk 3.7 million steps a year. But behind those legs that you don't see, there's all these nerves and muscles and bones holding it together that if one thing goes wrong, you can be crippled the rest of your life. The universe is so vast, we don't even understand it. But what we do understand is that the moon that we look at, that orbits our Earth 27 times in a month, Well, that same moon has a tilt of five degrees for a reason. If that moon will tilt four degrees or three degrees, just off one degree, we wouldn't have seasons. We would have extreme weather and chaos. And we would die. Just think about that. That same earth that's rotating 365 days a year. If that would suddenly stop rotating, all the mountains and the oceans of the world and every major structure that we have would suddenly break off the ground and head eastward and destroy everyone and die. If if that would happen. See, a lot is happening right now, but you don't realize, guys, that a lot may be happening But I want you to show, I wanted to show you this morning how in control God is. How perfect is God that He tells the moon five degrees and not one degree more. 365 days and not one day sooner. 365 million breaths I gave you this year. God is in control. And a lot is happening, but God is in control. That same God that controls our bodies, our world, and our universe 
says, don't you worry about your life. But if we're honest with ourselves, a lot is happening in our life. And when something happens, we don't understand. When something happens that's too hard to endure, when something happens that's unfair and difficult, we still get angry at that God that controls everything. We still question that God that controls everything. We still doubt that God that controls everything. And the same God that sits on heaven's throne protecting us and moving the universe and the earth in His place is the same God we question whether He knows what He's doing in our lives or not. See, a lot is happening all around us. And things will happen in your life that you may not understand. And this is one of those moments for Mary and Martha. Mary and Martha loved Jesus. They worshiped Jesus. They served Jesus. But Lazarus was sick. And Lazarus was getting worse. But it's okay. I would imagine that Mary and Martha had this conversation and they said, Lazarus is sick and he's not getting better and his temperature's going up. It's getting worse. What are we going to do? And I'm sure Mary told Martha, because Martha was the worrier, um, Martha, calm down. We got Jesus. So let's send someone to go get Jesus. And when Jesus gets here, he's just going to heal him. And when Jesus arrives, you're going to see that Lazarus is going to come out of this. And everything, girl, is going to get better. You watch. And Martha must have said, sis, what would I do without you? Let's go send someone to Jesus. And this messenger goes to Jesus and says, Jesus, Mary and Martha have a word for you and they want you to know that Lazarus is sick and things are getting worse and we need you to come now. We need you to come right away. And they they did the right thing. Whenever you're in an uncontrollable crisis, Whenever you're in a situation you have no answers to, whenever your life is falling apart, you go to Jesus, amen? And that's what they did. They went to Jesus. And maybe, yes, they did the right thing. But something happened. What was it that happened? Well, actually, what happened was that nothing happened. Jesus didn't show up when they thought he would. Jesus didn't answer their request. Jesus didn't do it the way that Mary and Martha wanted him to. In fact, what happened was so terrible because nothing happened. For a moment, Jesus didn't show up. Lazarus got worse and he died. Nothing changed. Folks, sometimes when things happen in your life like Mary and Martha, you're going to run to Jesus in prayer. That's what Mary and Martha did in a way. They sent a messenger to Jesus. And what is prayer? Is when the Holy Spirit intercedes and gives your message over to God. 
But sometimes you're going to pray an honest to God prayer of desperation. You're going to pray in faith that God can change it. You're going to believe that God's going to show up and do a miracle and everything's going to be okay and you're going to get through this. But what if He doesn't do it the way you thought He would? What if your prayers don't get answered at the time you thought He would? See, Mary and Martha went to Jesus in this request to come now and change everything. Lazarus, not only did he not get better, he got worse. And he died. And if you're here this morning and you pray, but things got worse, and you prayed, and nothing changed, and nothing happened. God is still in control. God still allowed it for a purpose. And in life, you're going to understand that things happen on purpose. And sometimes things don't happen on purpose. And whether things happen or don't happen, there is a purpose for God doing everything you're going through in your life. Why did Lazarus die? Well, because Jesus stayed behind. On purpose. Could Jesus have gone sooner and fixed it? Absolutely. But on purpose, he said, I'm staying right here. I'm going to let him die. I'm going to stay right here. I'm not going to move. And you're going to go through seasons where you're not going to see God move. And it's going to look like God doesn't care. Because if I were there and I sent word that my brother is sick and dying and I need your help, but Jesus chooses not to come, I'm not going to say, wow, God is so good, isn't he, guys? No, I'm going to say, God, that ain't right. God, that's not fair. Why didn't you move quicker? Why didn't you do anything? And sometimes in our lives, it's going to look like God doesn't move. But here's the thing. God moves in His timing. God moves in His purpose. God moves on His plans, not ours. So He stays behind. I imagine the disciples would have said, Jesus, uh... We, we gotta go. Jesus, we gotta go now. But he said, no. I'm just gonna wait. This was hard to understand. Look at verse 35 and 37 with me, church. This is hard to understand. And notice what the people were saying. Well, Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him? But notice what someone else said on the crowd. Some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? It's a good question. They said, couldn't Jesus have prevented this? 
Couldn't Jesus, who, who raised the healing of this blind man, couldn't Jesus, the one who opened the blind man, the one that helped this guy out, the one that helped that guy out, the one that did this miracle for that person, couldn't that Jesus do the same thing for him? What's the answer to that question, church? I love that answer. Of course. Yes. But here's what we have to understand about Jesus. Just because he can doesn't mean he will. And when God says, no, not now, not yet, or even not ever, he's still in control. But the question that they were asking was a good one. But the question that they were asking was also a dangerous one. Because they were comparing their situation to other people's situation. To other people's circumstances. Other people's lives. And if we're not careful, this is how the devil gets us discouraged. He gets you to look at what God is doing in other people's lives. That, is that good preaching right now? You're sick, and, he's, and then all of a sudden, you're sick, and you go on Facebook, and you hear all these testimonies of all the people that were sick with the same sickness you had. But man, God is good. He healed that. And you're single. And then all of a sudden, your best friend who's uglier than you says, I just met the man of my dreams. You know you're the better looking one. You know you're the catch. She ain't the catch. She's the one you throw back. But you're the one that's single. You say, well, couldn't God, the same God that brought that beautiful man to that girl's life, do that for me? Can we be honest today? Do we not play this game with God? Do we not look at other people's lives and situations and some people's testimonies, if we're honest enough in the flesh, get us mad. No? Just me? It's a dangerous comparison. Because this comparison, it secretly asks a question in our minds that we don't tell anyone else. You say, God, why them and not me? Why does God do for some and not others? Why does God heal her and not him? Why does God restore this marriage, but this one ends in divorce? Why does this child grow up in a great godly home and this child grows up abused and lonely? Why does God make it easier for other people than he does some of the other people? It's a dangerous game you're playing with God because the devil loves to draw a comparison and said, if God did it for them and not you, it must mean that God doesn't love you. It must mean that God is mad at you. You must be doing something wrong because if you were doing it right, you would have had the same thing that person over there had. But when things happen on purpose, they may happen for other people and not you. 
But God is still in control. Just because he can doesn't mean he will. And during life's uncertainty, when you're asking yourself why, be certain of this. Number one, he loves you. Look at verse four and five. I mean, a little secret verse I never noticed. Maybe just for this week. When he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it's for God's glory so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Jesus what? He loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Is that clear, church? But were they not going through a sickness and a death and a tragedy that they could not understand? Church, yes. And here's my first point. Whatever happens in your life does not change God's love for you. It might have been wrong for people to hurt you. It might have been difficult what you went through. You may be going through the darkest hour of your life, going things through, going through things that are painful and unfair. But don't you ever question the love of God. If you're wondering if God loves you right now, God cannot love you any more than He does at this present moment in your life. He loves you when you have cancer. He loves you when you lose your job. He loves you when you have a rebellious child. He loves you when you're going through a divorce. He loves you when you're sick. He loves you when you're dead. He loves you through your sin. He loves you through your weakness. He loves you through your failures, your shortcomings, everything in between. No matter what happens in your life, He looks at you and says, I know I don't make sense right now. I know you don't understand it right now. But one thing that is first and certain, I love you. I love you. The love of God is not measured by the things He prevents in your life from happening. That's what they were asking. Could He not have prevented this? Yes. But God's love doesn't mean that I'm going to prevent you from going through hurts. God's love doesn't mean I'm going to prevent you from going through trouble. God's love means that no matter what happens in your life, He is working out for His glory. And something good's going to come out of it. Don't ever question the love of God. This is how you get through that does God love me? Why am I going through this? If God is loving me, why am I going through this? If God really loves me, if God is love, why do people suffer? I stop it. That, that, that whole question that, that liberal pagan people, oh, if God is love, why is there war? If God is love, why is there sickness? Because there's sin. And we live in a fallen world. Now shut up. God is love, but love doesn't mean problems are prevented. It's kind of like a puzzle. Suppose I get this puzzle, and I get a handful, 
And I look at our church right now. And I'm going to give like maybe five to Jerrica. I'm going to give ten to Abel. I'm, I'm going to give one to Natalie. <laughs> I'm going to give seven to Darius. I'm going to give ten to Nancy. Two to Gabby. Three to Maria. One to my father-in-law. Two for Cookie. Stephanie, I'm not going to give you any. Jay, I'm going to give you so much. I'm going to give you all. I love Jay. <laughs> See how all of you are getting mad right now? Right? I'm like, why? Why? I, I imagine you, Natalie. Why? Why? Why he get? Why did Darius get more? <laughs> Stephanie has her arms crossed right now. You didn't give not even one, not even one, Pastor. <laughs> We're all getting mad at each other. But listen, that's what we do with God. We look at other people's lives and say, "Well, God, why did you give them?" X, Y, and Z, and not me. Why did you give them more? God, and Lord, why? Why did I only get? Why did I get nothing? Why did I get one? Why, did I, why does He have? And we play this game with God. But here's the truth. I love you all. I love you all. You're my family. You're my church. I love you all. And just because you got one, and Stephanie, I'm sorry, you got none, and, and all these people, you got four, you got five. Listen. Stop thinking that that's a measurement of God's love for your life. Because if you are real in the faith and maturity, you would say, Lord, I don't understand why I got one and why this person got ten, but I know that my one has a divine purpose and it fits somewhere. There's a purpose for the one that you have. You may not like it. You may not agree with it. You may not even understand it. What is this? I don't know. But with God, all things work together for His purpose. There's a purpose for why He does There's a purpose. What is the purpose, guys? Here's certainty number two. Verse 14. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And in verse 15, Jesus, after he said this, hey, it's, he's dead. He's gone. Jesus said, and I'm glad. And for your sake, I'm glad I wasn't there. Is glad a natural response to tragedy. So how can Jesus say, I am glad Lazarus is dead? It's because Jesus is not looking at the present circumstance. He's looking into the eternal glory that God's going to get from him. He's looking after. And whatever you're going through right now, you know that you can still have a spirit of gladness because you know that everything God hands you may be unfair, may not make any sense, but it serves a divine purpose. You too can be glad when life doesn't happen for you. 
And he says it serves a purpose. What is the purpose? Well, Jesus said it plainly. This is going to serve God's glory. This is for the glory of God. This is not a punishment. This is not because of Lazarus' failure. This happened because I'm in control. I have a purpose. And that purpose is for my glory to be displayed. So, Pastor, what does that mean? God's glory. The simplest way I can explain something that's so complex, like God's glory, is God wanting to show off His character. Is God wanting to bring light to who He is for you? It's like a glow stick. You look at it now and it doesn't seem like much. But in order for me to get this to light up, I have to put pressure, it has to break, and I have to shake it. And then what happens? What changes? It brings to light. And this is what God's glory looks like, in a way. God's glory cannot be explained, so forgive me, Lord, for even saying that. But the best way in my flesh I can explain the glory of God is that God will allow things in your life to, He will put you under pressure. He will cause things to break you. He will shake things up in your life. But when God does that, it's because He's trying to bring to light who He is. His character. So you can know that God is a healer. You can read that God is a healer. But God will put so much pressure that breaks you when you're sick so that when you are healed, it will bring to light He's a healer because I've been healed. God's character lights up through brokenness. He wants you to know who He is. So He allows you to go through things that break you, that shake you, that puts pressure on you. On purpose. On purpose. Let me illustrate this as an example. My personal life. This week I was praying in the early morning. I'm a good Christian. I wake up early. I pray. As I'm praying, I'm thanking God for my life. Honestly, I, it's not every day that I thank the Lord. I'll be honest. I'm not going to lie to you. I take it for granted. But I sat down this particular morning and I said, Lord, I want to thank you for my life. And I started naming little things first that I thank. I said, Lord, I want to thank you. I live behind an awesome pond that I can fish in. Then I thanked him for my wife. It should have been the other way around. But, but I said, Lord, I want to thank you for my home. Because God put the two, three loves in my life. Golf, fishing, and dirt together. That's it. The best for last. I love that. Thanks for saving me. The best for last. So I started thanking the Lord. Thank you for my life. Thank you for my home. Lord, thank you for Jerrica. And I said, then, Lord, I thank you for this child that's going to come to this world. I started praying for that baby as I looked at the picture, the song. But then I messed up. If I would have said amen there, God would have been like, wow, what a prayer. 
but I messed up. Because I said honestly in my spirit, I said, Lord, why did you take so long? I said, Lord, I was, I've been single for like, I was single for 10 years. Looking good. I, I'm not looking good. Now I'm different. But back in the day, I was in my prime. 10 years, God, really? And now I said, Lord, and now you're going to give me a child? I said, all of my friends got married way long ago and their children are entering middle school. I'm going to be like that crazy gray-haired old dad walking them to school in a leather jacket because I want to be cool. <laughs> you know? Like, you know, look at this guy in middle-aged crisis having kids. Look at this guy. And I was like, but why did you think so long? And I, and I ended my prayer. <laughs> and God was like, oh, yeah. Yeah, okay, dude. And then that day, my dishwasher caught on fire. It short-circuited, and, and, it, and I, I shut off the breaker. I went and opened it. It was smoke and flames everywhere. Did you guys even know a dishwasher can catch fire? And it was crazy. And I said, Lord, why, 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 Lord? Why? I've got a baby on the way, now I've got to shop for a dishwasher in this economy. But then Jerrica, she had tears in her eyes, and he said, What's wrong with you? Oh, hormones. Oh, I get it. Okay. Jerrica said, I'm so thankful for the Lord. And I said, Why? So because a lot of times we leave the house and we leave that dishwasher on. And almost every night we go to bed and that dishwasher's on. But it so happens that the day we're home, that I'm working from home on a day that I normally don't work at home, and, and then you're in the kitchen of all places, I was in the kitchen. It happened at a perfect time. And because of that, our house was spared and our dog, and I was just in God is so good. And she said, and his timing's perfect. I'm like, uh-oh, I know. And I told her, I, th I think I know why the dishwasher broke. She goes, why? And I go, because I prayed this prayer. And I asked God why he takes too long. And through this dishwasher explosion, I realized God's timing is perfect. That, that's, God's, <laughs> that's God's glory. You know what God did? I, I'm literally going to break your dishwasher so my timing and my perfect timing will come to light. That's God's glory. That's the best way I can explain it. Give him praise in this house today. That's why whenever you're going through something, whatever it is, it happens on purpose. How should you respond when life breaks you and shakes you? When God hands you something that doesn't make sense, that you don't understand, let me tell you how you don't respond. You don't respond the way Martha did. Verse 20 and 21. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him. But Mary stayed at home. 
Martha says this, Lord, she said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. She shows up and confronts Jesus with anger. She confronts him with frustration, which is justified because I say I would have done the same thing. She can't understand why Jesus didn't do it her way, in her timing, when she wanted it. Is that a good witness for you this morning? Do you find yourself telling God why? Where were you? Why did this happen? If only, if only, God, if only, things would be so Martha's complaining, telling Jesus what he should have done. And I'm sure that Martha, we want to go, ooh, Martha, but listen, I'm sure in our lifetime we're going to look at God sometimes and say, Lord, if only you would have done it this way. If only, Lord, you would have given me different parents. If only I would have lived somewhere different. If only, Lord, I would never have dated this person. If only, Lord. And Lord, you should have done it at this time. Lord, why didn't you do it my way? That's the way Martha was. And Jesus had to correct her. But let's look at Mary. Verse 28 and 34. And after she had said this, she went back and called her sister. So Martha literally tells this to Jesus and she walks away from him. She speaks her mind and leaves. But after she said this, she went back to call her sister Mary. The teacher is here, she said. I love what the Bible says next. And he's what? He's asking for you. Imagine if God is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up how? Quickly and went to him. You know what Mary displays? She said, Lord, she's just she's going through the same death as, last, as her sister. She's mourning the same death, going through the same problem. But when Jesus called, she got up quickly and obeyed and went. I wonder if we respond to life's happening this way. Do you respond with obedience? Do you respond in faith and say, I'm going to come when Jesus calls, I'm here. Because had it been some of us here, maybe all of us, we would say, I'm not going. Oh, he wants me to come to him? Where where was he when I was asking him to come to me? Oh, now he wants me. Now he's calling. Where was he two days ago? None of that. She gets up and she goes to Jesus. She got up quickly. Look at the next verse. Now Jesus had not entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. And look at the next one. When the Jews who had been with Mary in the house comforting her noticed how quickly she got up, that's how quick this girl was, and went out. They followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. But when Mary reached the place where Jesus was, 
Now this is just like Martha. Now she went up to Jesus. Look at the difference. When she saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. We're positive. What's the difference? You're saying, Pastor, that's the same thing. She's mad. She's angry. She's questioning. She doesn't understand why. Mary and Martha are the same. No, they're not. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was, she, what? Fell at his feet. She fell at his feet and surrendered. What a difference. Martha didn't do that. See, Martha and Mary were the same. In the same way that they had anger and frustration and were questioning Jesus and why, and if only you would have been here sooner, Lord, if only God, this isn't right. It's okay. You have a relationship with Jesus. You can be real with him and say, God, I'm angry at you now. God, this isn't right. Lord, I don't understand. Lord, why? If only God, why did you do this? But here's the difference. When you confront a God that you serve, you better be in a position to surrender. And that's the difference. She was on her knees saying, I don't understand why. I don't understand. If only you would have been here when I called. But Lord, Lord, I surrender. I don't understand it. But I'm at your feet. And when Jesus saw her, he cried. And here's where we make the mistake. We preach this and we say, oh, Jesus cried because Lazarus was dead. No, he didn't. Jesus knew that he was going to rise again. So why would you die for something you know is going to come back? Jesus cried because he saw Mary crying. He saw everyone crying. We don't have a God, the Bible says, that doesn't sympathize with us. When God looks at you and he sees you crying, he cries because he knows your pain. He doesn't get mad at you for getting mad at him. He gets angry when you get mad at him and do not surrender. But there she is on her knees. And Jesus just looks at her and says, where is he? Take me to him. And she takes him where he was. Looks at him and says, Lazarus, come forth. I love that he named him specifically by name because if Jesus would have just said, come forth, all of the dead people in the grave would have risen. That's how powerful our Lord is. You imagine he forgets to say Lazarus and everyone, he's like, oh, oh, wait, 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 everyone back down. But he calls him by name because he knows you by name. Let's all stand to our feet. I want to do this today. Are you a Mary or a Martha? Let's be honest. Do you find yourself complaining, saying, if only, why? It's not fair. Or like, Mar or like Mary, do you find yourself complaining, saying, God, it's unfair. Lord, I'm crying. Lord, it hurts. Lord, I, this isn't easy. But Lord, I'm here living a life of surrender. I'm living a life of surrender. 
See, I pray that today you would say, Lord, I don't understand why, and I don't need to. I'm here to surrender to your will. And if Jesus would say right now, take me to the grave, take me to where he's at. What is it that you would take Jesus to come see? Would you take Jesus to go and see your marriage and say, Lord, there it is. Dead. Hopeless. Would you take Jesus to your children and say, look, Lord, there they are. Spiritually dead. It's over. Would you take Jesus to your life and your future and say, Lord, look, there's my life. It's just dead. It's hopeless. But Mary just took Jesus to the grave and said nothing. You never see her say anything. We'll talk about Martha in a few weeks and what she said because she said, oh, by this time he's dead. It stinks. This is a parable. But Mary just took Jesus to where it was. And she saw Jesus work. Church family, can we pray today? With every head bowed and every head closed. Can we really pray? Would you grab the hand of that person next to you today? First of all, before we get to you, would you pray for them? Would you pray for them? One of the good things about this church is that we know everyone by name, so you can pray for them by name. You may not know what they're going through, but here's the thing. Mary and Martha were brothers, were sisters, they were, and Lazarus were brothers. They were family. We're family. And our situations may look different, but we're all breaking. We're all under pressure. We're all getting our world shook somehow. And we've all come together to worship this morning. And that hand you're holding is a reminder that you are not alone. So pray for them, right? You say, Lord Jesus, I pray for this person. Give them the strength. Now let's pray for you. Lord Jesus, I thank you for this Labor Day weekend service. I thank you for Mary and Martha. We're living in a Martha world, but we don't have a Mary spirit. Father, we do complain. We do argue. We do question you. We don't always understand why you give to others and not us. Why they have more and we have less. And what you do give us makes no sense. It's that puzzle piece that we stare at and say, God, how does this fit to your divine plan for my life? You may never know why God does it, church. But it happens on purpose. So, Father, forgive us for our Martha attitude and where we pridefully sit here in our lives with the breath you give us. Lord, with, with the, the breath that we breathe 8.4 million times, we question you. 
And the heart that is broken in our lives right now, the heart that beats 36 million times in a year, we question. You hold the world in place. You hold the universe. You name every star in the galaxy. Every 275 million stars that are born each day, you know by name. And you know us by name. Who are we to question you? Who are we to tell you how to do things? Who are we to even ask you why? You are God. You are the great I am. You are Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. Who are we that you would even consider us? So give us a merry spirit that falls on our knees when we don't understand. Give us a merry spirit that is willing to lead you to where the problem is and watch you work a miracle. And give us a merry spirit that is quick to run to you at your feet in love and in passion. In Jesus' name we pray in God's church said, Amen. Amen. Come on, give God some praise this morning. Come on, give that person next to you a big old hug and say, hey, I prayed for you. Tell them, I prayed for you. You watch. It's going to work. It's going to change. If that miracle happens, it was God and a little bit of me because I prayed for you. Come on, tell them that.